Come on now. Woo. Well, I got to tell you guys something. Cutler brought fire from the get-go in praise and worship. I mean, they, they were like, let's go, let's go. You guys took a little bit to defrost. It was the opposite last week, but you got into it. And uh, I tell you, those songs are powerful, aren't they? There's nothing that our God can't do. And I'm excited about what I'm going to be sharing this morning with us. It's a word that I believe is going to empower us, equip us to be able to experience intimate fellowship, communion with God. It's going to be powerful. Now, if you've been here in the previous weeks, you know that we've covered three other subjects uh, besides what we're covering today. In the previous weeks of our From the Ashes series, we've covered the topics of temptation, humility, contemplation. Last week it was contemplation where we focused on the fact that we got to posture ourselves in a position where we can hear from God. And that means we got to learn to be still, to be silent before him. And if we will posture ourselves in a, in a spirit and, and, and a, a disposition of contemplation, God will speak. He will communicate to us. Now, as you've already noted, confession is the fourth topic of our six weeks together in our journey to abundant life. Obviously, Jesus led a sinless life. So we won't see any specific examples from his life including sin. But the Bible does point out in Hebrews 4 and verse 15 that he was tempted in every way just like we are, yet without sin. And then the Bible reveals to us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he, God, has made him, Jesus, to be made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we know that Jesus lived a sinless life, yet on the cross, he took upon himself the punishment and the penalty for our sin. And the Bible tells us through Isaiah the prophet that on the cross, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And because of that, we can be confident that when we come to him asking for forgiveness, forgiveness will be granted. It is because of Jesus' sinless life and humble sacrifice that we can experience the unrestrained forgiveness of the Father over our sin. And as I stated in weeks one and two, you are not broken beyond repair. Let me say that again. You are not broken beyond repair. Doesn't matter how messed up you may think you are or you actually are. I'm here to declare to you that God, the Heavenly Father, has the ability to take your life in all its brokenness and transform it into wholeness. Wherever you find yourself torn up, busted up, God can restore you. God can heal you. God can deliver you. He made it possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son for you and I to experience deliverance no matter what habit has us bound right now that's the power that there is in him but in order for us to experience that we've got to be willing to acknowledge that we're broken acknowledge that we're messed up acknowledge that we need healing in our lives again jesus is the reason 
we can confess and experience complete forgiveness in our lives. Now, speaking of forgiveness or confession, there were four preachers. And don't think that they're the preachers that I meet with, okay? But there were four preachers that met for a friendly gathering. And during their conversation, one preacher said, Our people come to us and pour out their hearts and they confess certain sins and needs. Let's do the same. Confession, by the way, is good for the soul, right? He said. In due time, all of them agreed. One of them said that he had a problem with losing his temper on occasion. The second confessed to liking to smoke cigars. And the third one confessed to be obsessed with golf. So much so that he would call in sick on weekends. He would call in sick and say he wouldn't be able to perform his ministerial duties on Sunday because he was sick when actually he was out golfing. When it came to the fourth one, he wouldn't confess. The others pressed him saying, come now, we confessed ours. What is your secret? What is your vice? What is your secret sin? Finally, he answered, it is gossiping. And I just can't wait to get out of here. (laughs) Now, again, we've all heard the old saying, confession is good for the soul. Even in non-Christian and non-spiritual circles, people believe that to be true. Psychologists or psychiatrists uh, would say that when we confess our actions, words, and thoughts, it's like a burden is lifted from us. Christians know that this is, that this is true. We know it because of what John wrote in 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. 1 John 1 verse 9. He wrote, if we confess our sins, He, that is God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And notice, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is John revealing? That the burden of sin is lifted when we confess our sins. Because God is just. And the reason He is just is because the justice of God demanded a payment for the guilt of our sin. And Jesus paid that price. He shed His blood, every last drop of His blood, so that we could experience forgiveness, so that we could experience transformation in our lives. And so when we come to God, and we come in acknowledging our sin, God does not turn us away. That's why Jesus said, He who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that good news? To know that there is a God that we can come to and we can find mercy and grace for our time of need from because of Jesus. Now today I want to share what biblical confession entails and includes. And to help us, I want us to remember these three C's that I'm going to give to you right now that will help us remember what biblical confession is. The first C is confession. The second is contrition. And the third is correction. Would you say that with me? Say, repeat with me. Confession, contrition, correction. Those three C's help us understand what is involved and included in biblical confession. 
First of all, confession. Now, the heading of Psalm 51 in one of my study Bibles reads this way. A Psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then we read in this Psalm 51, David's prayer. In fact, Psalm 51 is one of seven Psalms that are categorized as penitential Psalms. In other words, they are Psalms of confession and repentance. And in this penitential Psalm, David prays this prayer. And we're going to focus on verses 1 through 4. He, he prays, have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Now, confession is the process of recognition of sin, turning from it, and experiencing the forgiveness of God. And we see here that David acknowledged once he was confronted by the prophet Nathan concerning the sin he committed, he acknowledged it. And then there's a willingness to be changed, to be transformed. He expressed that. There's a willingness to change his ways. And you'll see that later on in the Psalms. Now there's a Bible teacher by the name of Warren Wiersbe. And he tells of a counselor who was trying to help a man who had come forward during an evangelistic meeting. I'm a Christian, the man said. But there's sin in my life. And I need help. The counselor showed him 1 John 1.9 and suggested that the man confess his sin to God. Oh, Father, the man began. If we have done anything wrong. Just a minute, the counselor interrupted. Don't drag me into your sin. My brother, it's not if or we. You better get down to business with God. The counselor was right. You see, when you look at David's prayer, you do not discover Bathsheba mentioned at all in Psalm 51 as he's confessing his sin. And have you found there are people who love to play the blame game? It's been going on since Adam and Eve. They're not willing to acknowledge their fault. And if they do, it's because of so-and-so. They're the reason I act that way. Or it's because they did that to me. Instead of coming before God as David did and just admitting, I'm in the wrong. And we see that in David. He didn't blame anybody for the wrong he committed. He simply fessed up to his wrong before God. And it is important that we understand that in order for us to experience the forgiveness of God, it begins with confession. With confession. A man told his pastor he had done a terrible thing and could find no rest for his conscience. The pastor asked him, have you confessed it to the Lord? And the man replied, pastor, 
I've confessed that sin a thousand times. The wise pastor said, that is 999 times too many. You should confess it once and praise God a thousand times for his forgiveness. Why? Because of what 1 John 1, 9 says. Look at it again. Look at it. He says, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I want you to understand that when you come and in sincerity and honesty confess your sin to God, you can rest assured that at that moment he does what he said he would do through Isaiah the prophet. He blots out your transgressions. He hurls them into the deepest part of the sea. He doesn't remember your sins or your iniquities against you. When you confess your sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Thank God that His mercies are new every morning and that when we come to Him in sincerity, there's forgiveness guaranteed. Now looking at David's example, we discover that biblical confession also includes contrition. Contrition. In his prayer of repentance in Psalm 51, David states the following in verse 17. In Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Now, contrition is defined as the state of feeling remorseful. And penitent. The state of feeling remorseful, sorry, godly sorrow, and penitent. Contrition also involves taking steps to change and not repeat the outcomes. Taking steps to change and not repeat the outcomes. There is a news publication in Canada called Metro News. Out of Ottawa. It tells how in 2008, 22 people died from eating cold cuts processed by maple leaf foods. To his credit, Michael McCain, the maple leaf CEO, owned up to the fact that the meats were contaminated with listeria at his company's plant in New York. Maple leaf took full responsibility and began taking immediate steps to ensure such a tragedy never happens again. Maple Leaf also moved to expedite settlements of lawsuits and actually supported increased regulation of the meat processing industry. In this story, we see confession, admission, and contrition, steps taken to change and not repeat the outcomes. This is what biblical confession includes. It's not only acknowledging my sin, but a willingness and desire on my part to do whatever is necessary so that that sin is not repeated or has dominion in my life anymore. And it is possible. Because you remember in 1 John 1, 9, not only will he cleanse us, but it says, or forgive us, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, he will free us from the dominion and the habit of sin 
Not just from the harm that sin has brought on our lives. Someone noted, many people believe that admitting a fault means they no longer have to correct it. In other words, there's people that think, well, I I already said what I did is wrong. But they don't do anything about correcting the wrong. I already confessed the wrong. But they keep perpetuating the wrong. They don't change what is necessary so that that wrong is not repeated over and over again. Biblical confession is not just saying it and then feeling that's all that it takes. No, it also entails a willingness for correction. Biblically, again, confession is to be accompanied by contrition. And contrition includes the openness and desire for course correction. Now, in another psalm of David, we read the following. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And this is another prayer of David before God. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Watch this. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Having a regular practice of searching our lives and coming into the light can cultivate a life full of grace and mercy as we rise from the ashes of past sins and poor decision making in our lives. Pastor Jack Hayford tells the following story. Early in his career, Matt Redman, the popular Christian musician in Britain, was singing with his church's praise band when his pastor confronted them. They were proud of their musical performance, he said, but they were neglecting true worship. Insulted by the charge, the members of the band left the church. All, that is, except Matt Redman. Shortly afterward, he wrote his hit song, The Heart of Worship, which included these words, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, Jesus. In a previous message series that I shared with you, vision, passion, action, or passion, vision, action, I shared with you the following. If you're teachable, you're reachable. If you're teachable, you're reachable. But also, if you're teachable, you're moldable, you're shapeable. And I shared with you, if you're teachable, you'll become capable. You'll become capable. But let me add one more. If you're teachable, you'll be usable. If you're teachable, you'll be usable. What is important that we understand that after David confessed his sin, his kingdom reign continued. God was able to, able to continue to use him as king over Israel. Why? Because when he was confronted 
about his sin. He did not deny it. He didn't try to continue to hide it. He was willing to come to the light. And he was also willing to ask God to correct him. And that's why we see in this prayer, he invites God to search him out. Point out anything in my life that offends you, Lord. That's why he was usable. Outlining David's prayer of repentance that we've been looking at at Psalm 51. Bible teacher Dr. Wearsby breaks it down stating, In his prayer, David expressed three major requests. Cleanse me, Psalm 51, 1-7. through Restore me, verses 8 through 12, and use me, verses 13 through 19. David was usable because David was teachable. He was willing to be corrected. Now, before I married my wife, periodically, we would have a date night, which really was evaluation night. She initiated it by one day saying, hey, let's have an honest date. I said, I thought all these dates were honest because honestly, I've been paying and I think that shows how honest I am. I didn't say it. I I thought it. And so these honest dates were meant so that we would tell each other if there was any areas of weakness in our lives. I hated those dates, but I loved her, so I was committed to go along. You want to have an honest date? Let's have an honest date. And sometimes she would point out something that I forgot. Some of you are laughing because you know what that's like, huh? And she would say, yeah, that, that's true, what you just said, but there's also this. And, and sometimes inside I'm, but outside I'm, mm, yes, you're right. But inside I'm, well, what I love about David was on the inside and outside he was, you're right, God. I need to change there. There was no defense All defenses were down. There was just an openness for correction. Now, I'm going to bring this plane to a landing. But the way I'm going to land it is by giving you some principles that I know work. Because I've journeyed in my walk with the Lord, experiencing the power of these principles. And these principles, I'm going to to use a statement in each one. So that you and I can remember them. The first is, what I keep concealed cannot be healed. Would you say that with me? What I keep concealed cannot be healed. In other words, what I keep in the dark will keep me bound. What I keep hidden will keep me hurting. This is why we read in James 5.16... And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to who? One another. Your false steps, your offenses. And pray for one another that you may be what? Healed and what? Restored. 
Then it says, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, is able to accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. One of the principles that I've learned in life is the principle of not only confessing to God, but confessing to others. There are godly men that I am connected to, that I know that whenever I'm struggling in my walk, Whenever I'm battling in my walk, I can pick up the phone, I can call them, or I can even meet with them and tell them, hey, this is going on. I, I, I need you to hold me accountable because I'm struggling with this, or I need you to pray with me right now because I'm battling with this. And I've learned that the only thing the prince of darkness, the ruler of darkness can rule over is what I keep in the dark. But when I bring it to the light, His rule ends. His ability to intimidate, to manipulate, to dominate my life ends when I bring it to the light. And this is why if you're struggling in an area, and you know, I've already confessed it to God, but I I, still struggle. I would encourage you, find someone that you know loves God and loves you that you can be honest with. And get it out. Get it out. Get it out. And don't do it on Facebook. Don't do it on Facebook. And look what the Bible says. In Proverbs 28, 13. People watch who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Here's a second principle. I need to ask the Lord to reveal what I need healed. I need to ask the Lord to reveal what I need healed. Say it with me. I need to ask the Lord to reveal what I need healed. Look again at the psalmist. In Psalm 139, 24, the first part of it, point out anything in me that offends you. Let me tell you something. If you pray that, God will answer. He will show you. He will show you. I mean, there's times I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. Lord, I think I've had a pretty good week. But um, something feels a little out of whack or out of tune in my life. So if there's something that offends you, show me. I'll tell you, it doesn't take you more than five seconds. Here it is, son. <laughs> And he doesn't do it to shame me. He does it because he wants to heal me. He wants to change me. He wants to correct me. He wants to restore me. He wants to take me from brokenness to wholeness. And then the third thing is, I will petition God to give me direction for course correction. Say it with me. I will petition God to give me direction for course correction. Look at the second part of Psalm 139, verse 24. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. And here's another prayer that we can pray, and I want to encourage you. Every day of this week, beginning tomorrow, I want you to pray this prayer. It's in the Bible. It's in Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5, where it says, Show me the right path, O Lord. 
Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Here's what I can guarantee you. If you and I will make this our prayer every day of this week, God will keep us from making stupid decisions. I'm telling you, he will. If you invite God to work in your life for your betterment, believe me, God is going to answer. I've experienced this. Whenever I invite God to better my life and reveal what I need done, And show me the right way. He doesn't hesitate. He shows me. That's who he is. A good, good father who desires to make me well. That's who he is. And he will keep us from dangerous situations. He'll keep us from dangerous situations. If you say, Lord, show me the right way. There's going to be times when you're going to want to make a decision. He's going to say, "Uh uh-uh. He's going to put a check in your spirit. He's going to make you know that, nope, don't go any further. Stop. And then you're going to thank him after you find out, wow, if I would have went that way, I would have gotten in trouble. Amen? So today, are you ready to confess? ready to confess who wants to be healed in your soul that's where it starts who wants to have intimate relationship with God where your walk with him is closer than ever it includes confession it's not only confessing to God you may need to confess to a brother or sister in Christ who loves God and loves you and who you can trust to take what you share with him not for the purpose of using it over you, but to join with you to believe that God is going to heal you and restore you. For those of you on live stream, I want you to know that for one of you today, God is saying to you, this is your day of freedom because you've been asking, how much longer do I have to deal with this? I'm tired of it. God is saying to you, you don't have to deal with it one more day. Today is your day of freedom. If you will confess your sin, you will confess your failure, you will confess that addiction that you've been wanting to get free from, today is your day. And if you're in this building and there is a struggle in your life that, and, and, and it's, 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 had you, it's had you metaphorically hitting your head against the wall saying, how can this end in my life? How can I stop this in my life? God is saying, you can't. That's why you got to bring it to me. That's why you got to do what my word tells you. And if you do it, then the power of my word will be released in you and set you free. I'm telling you, you're looking at a man that has experienced the power of confession, not just declaring the promises of God, but declaring my weaknesses, declaring my struggles, declaring my failures before God and before others. And then I learned, ha, the devil can't rule. 
in the light. <laughs> he can't manipulate me anymore. He can't control me anymore. So glad for the power of biblical confession. Heavenly Father, I thank you that today is D-Day. Day of deliverance. Today is a day for deliverance. I know, God, you've impressed it in my spirit that people would be here and watching on live stream that this is their D-Day. In their heart, there's been a cry. There's been a longing to be free. This is their D-Day as they come. They confess, God, I can't bear this. God, I'm tired of this. God, I'm sorry. God, I want to be free. God, I'm tired of living a double life. I want to live a life of integrity, of singleness, of purpose, aligned with your will. Please wash me. Please forgive me. Please heal me. And even as I've been speaking today, talking about the need to confess to others, there's some of you that that's even come up in your mind. Maybe I should tell so and so. Maybe I should communicate this with somebody that I know can offer me the wisdom, the help, the encouragement, the aid through prayer. Well, friend, this is your day to follow through on that. Because as I heard years ago, another preacher point out, your breakthrough is contingent on your follow-through. If you'll follow through in confession, if you'll follow through with that desire, deciding I'm going to follow up on it, I'm going to do what I know I need to do right now, I'm going to confess it to God, or I'm going to call that person, I'm going to connect with that person and get it out. I'm not going to keep it in the dark anymore. I'm not going to let the prince, the ruler of darkness, manipulate, intimidate, and dominate my life anymore. I'm getting it out. And I'm telling you, you will be healed. You will be restored. Today, God is calling us back to having a clean heart, the right heart. A heart whose single desire is to honor Him. And in that, we move from brokenness to wholeness. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.